Hello, welcome to the St. Paul's Podcast, where you'll find talks from our Sunday services. For more information, feel free to check out our website, stpauls.co.uk. Thank you. The reading today is taken from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 12, and then 17 to 21. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal those who are ill and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet, be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. And then I'll resume at verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, we thank you so much for this amazing passage. Lord, the courage of these disciples as they went out, the signs and wonders that they saw in the power of the Holy Spirit, it seems a thousand miles from our lives here. Send your spirit now and build a bridge to that amazing reality. Give me words which are of you. And inspire us, Lord. 
onto the greatest adventure which this world has to offer. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I really feel like all my Christmases have come at once today because, uh, for those that uh, don't know me, my name is uh, David, David Senior. I have particular responsibility on the clergy team for social action and for evangelism. And of course, this is Dead Centre. And uh, this is also the last in our series of talks <coughs> on our values. And uh, as Nico will say, when we were going around saying, what kind of values should we have as a church? People were kind of coming up with really important things like community and love, whatever. And I was going, adventure! Adventure, risk-taking, enterprise, following the Spirit. So I am thrilled that this is one of our key values. And these values are so important because we need to embed these as being the way in which we actually relate to each other. That we are to be, if you recall, firstly, a community of profound love and mutual support. That we're to be real and authentic with each other. That in a world which is full of misery and discouragement, we should be a people of encouragement. And then uh, two weeks ago, I had the joy of speaking on joy. That we should, although we go through many dark valleys in this, in this life and in this church, and we know of several, we've prayed for one. That there is a floor beneath which we never fall, which is that deep joy which comes which know, from knowing that we are safe in God's hands for all eternity. And today, at speed, we're going to canter through adventure. You don't often think of adventure as being a word for church, do you, really? But so we're going to change that. These are the official words in, I think, the right edition of the values document, looking for reassurance, which hasn't yet been given to my dear boss here. <clears throat> I need some water, actually. Um, don't worry. Don't worry. Um, thank you. That's very kind, Andy. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> these are the official words that we should be a church which steps out in faith. There's courage inherent in that, isn't there? Journeying with God and living radical lives here in Cheam, radical, to change the world. Wonderful words. And of course, as a scripture to help inspire that, come, follow me. This isn't a journey that we plot. It's a journey that he leads. Let's dig into this, uh, into this passage. Very important, looking at any passage, to look at the context. This is the start of chapter 10. At the end of chapter 9... There are all these people who come up and say, Jesus, I will follow you, but I first have to bury my father. Oh, everybody's helping me. Thank you so much. Thank you, Toby. <laughs> I was given water as well, but I knocked it over. It's not my morning today at all. The... In chapter 9, remember, all these people come to Jesus and say, yes, I will follow you. But uh, I've got to bury my dad first. 
And Jesus goes, we need to build the kingdom of heaven. And it seems very heartless, doesn't it? But what he's actually saying is, in that particular case, if somebody was burying their father who had actually died, he wouldn't be there because it's a 24-hour process. Um, clearly, he was saying, when my late father, who's dependent upon my father, who's dependent upon me, goes, then I'm going to uh, follow you. We all make excuses. Jesus says, no excuses. There is an urgency behind this passage. So Jesus is saying, we have to get out and build the kingdom. And then they are sent out ahead of him, not on their own, ahead of him with his commissioning. And he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into this harvest field. So they are going out to find not just people to tell about Jesus, but to actually find people who will tell other people. More workers, more and more workers. Disciple-making disciples. And then he gives them this pet talk. I'm sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. Don't take anything with you. Really, it's one of, the, one of Jackie Pullinger's key themes was that we see the supernatural power of God kick in when we are reliant upon him. When we don't think that we can plan for every contingency and we don't really need God, if he shows up, it's nice. There is dependence on God here. When you enter a house, say, peace. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. And one of the key things as we seek to make Jesus known is to put, you know, put it out there. Make sure that people know that we love Jesus. Make sure that we know that church is an important and central part of our lives. And those who are interested, the people of peace, will go, tell me more. And we know that one in four of all of them would accept an invitation to church, let alone one of the amazing invitational events that we hope to do. And are doing on the 30th of June. With big questions. So don't be discouraged if we get negative reactions. Just keep going. This is a numbers game. Stay there eating and drinking what's given to you. Nobody knows quite why he says this. In part, it could be focus on the mission and don't look for better houses and better food all the time. It could also be spend time with a small number of people building relationship, which is a key part of the the, uh, evangelistic journey. Then, what do you do when you've met the town and you've entered the town? Yes, I'm sure they tell people all about Jesus and everything, but there is here the manifestation of power. Heal the sick. Tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. It is the presence of Jesus and the presence of God in this world as well as the kingdom which is to come. But show the power of God as you bring healing. They went out in power. They were commissioned to heal, to get rid of demons, and they were obedient. Interestingly, they didn't say, can you precisely define uh, how unpleasant people will be? And um, if a demon doesn't go, what do we do? Or if people don't get made well, what do we do? We sometimes just don't know the course which is set. We like to cross every I, dot every T. Is that the right way around? No, it's the wrong way around. Um, but the journey of Jesus is a different one. 
And when you're rejected, remember, it's not you that's being rejected. It is he who is being rejected. It is they who will face the consequences because those who don't accept Jesus spend eternity separated from the love of God. That is the brutal reality. They don't reject you, they reject Jesus. And we are not to be discouraged. We bash on because this is a numbers game. And what happened with this ill-planned and, it seems ill-planned to us, doesn't it? And uh, curiously marketed expedition. They returned with joy. And I tell you, changing lives, seeing answers to prayer, seeing the spirit move is the greatest joy that this world can bring. Seeing lives turned around. As this church grows in the spirit and grows in mission, we will see this more and more. And um, Jesus said, you know, basically I saw Satan like lightning fall from heaven. In other words, he could see the victory over evil being claimed. And he reaffirmed, I have given you authority. There are so many verses in scripture that point extraordinarily to the authority which vests in you and in me. When When Paul says that we are set in the heavenly realms with Christ... We are alongside him, sharing in his authority. In Romans, it talks about being co-heirs with Christ. And I hope this morning we can start to grasp the awesomeness of this. Jesus adds, don't rejoice at the Spirit. Submit to you, in other words, don't think, yeah, this is magic stuff, we're doing all this. Rejoice that you are saved and you have within you a power which can do anything. And Jesus then is also full of joy at what's happened. So what do we conclude from this extraordinary thing, extraordinary journey in 2023 in Chim? What are, I'm going to write a book one day, no I'm not because I'm doing too much already, Uh, 10 attributes of an adventurous church. An adventurous church Firstly, we start with God. We had an amazing meeting on Tuesday night, an open meeting for those who want to be part of reimagining the local mission of this church. And people said to me, remember, David, you're very action-orientated. We start with God. We start with deeper intimacy. And it's true, we get as close to God. It's often said you get as close to God as you really want to. A lot of us, myself included, can say, you know, so far and no, no further. No monkey business, no supernatural stuff. Let's just keep this, you know, I'll come on, go on Sundays and I'll join a life group and that's me done. If we dare to draw close to God, the God who was barely glimpsed in the Old Testament, then that is a dangerous, um, amazing experience which will lead us and which will change us. Dare to know An adventurous church knows it has an audience of one. And uh, sparing Nico's blushes for just a second, one one of the many things that has been so liberating has been the fact that Nico continually says we have an audience of one. We do what he wants. We go where he goes. Yes, our audience is the wider world as we bless them in accordance with his will, but we serve him 
and we listen to him. I go to churches all over the diocese now and people are thinking, oh, Mrs. So-and-so says this and so-and-so says that and BCC says that. We have an audience of one and courage and decisiveness flows from that. An adventurous church embraces uncertainty and risk. That's inherent in adventure, isn't it? We can be so analytical, so cautious. Celebrates epic fails. What does that mean? What is David on? John McGinley, who uh, we're coming on the 30th of September for the big church day in, which is going to be awesome, really awesome. And Nicholson, so well to get him, actually, because uh, anyway, I could talk about him all morning, and I've got 12 minutes left. The... Um, what did John McGinley say? Oh, yeah, he had 170 people on Alpha in his church. And he said, we celebrate trying. He said, I got up on the platform, a medical student, and she had asked six people to Alpha, and they had all said no. And we cheered her to the rafters. It is for God, it is for the Holy Spirit to decide how people respond. It is for us to be faithful and to do our bit. A church which is word-grounded, but spirit-led. Open increasingly to the supernatural power of the spirit. Has a big vision for the parish and the world. You know, against the background of the Great Commission, make disciples of all nations, the default vision is always a big vision. It flows from that, no passengers. Any large church is going to have an entertainment church value. I come along and I hear the show and I go back home again. But if we are to deliver what I'm about to chart, it will mean everybody needs to be involved. A church which lets a thousand flowers bloom, in other words, which allows and encourages lots of different ideas. I went to one church which had seen enormous revival in South Wales, um, and they said, uh, you know, the, the, vicar, the, the, the pastor said to me, look, you know, people come forward and there's fruit in an idea. I said, let's just do it. We'll focus down, but we'll try a thousand things. A church, you know, if it becomes routine and predictable, it ain't church, or at least it ain't, in, uh, it ain't adventurous church. And then which practices and exercises the gifts of the Spirit. Goes out, like those disciples, healing and prophesying and the like. Part of this is going to be addressing a number of audiences. If you went to those who live in the shadow of our church over there, and you say, what do you think, you know, what do you know about your local church, your parish church? And I've done some of this. Do they say, it's a church that knows me, that cares for me, that reached out to me? They may have a connection with toddlers or something, in which case, fantastic. If not, they just say, it's a successful church with lots of cars outside. That is how we are seen, and that needs to change. So we are embarking on this process as part of our church development plan of renewing and reimagining our local mission. The scope of this is looking at the, the, our people here and in the wider church family. How can we better meet all your needs in the parish, in the locality where you live, in the town centre at Epsom? We're looking at social action and evangelism, on-site activities and off-site activities. 
the process we're going through is, has to be embedded in prayer, something which David uh, McGee said so powerfully on Tuesday night. We're going through a phase of idea generation. We're not shooting anything down. This is an in, open invitation process for the whole church. Let us have your ideas. And then there's, of course, a screening process, a team formation process. I just physically have not got the, the time to, to do all this stuff. But, we can, but I can orchestrate it. We're going to need lots of people and lots of people with a leadership gift. If you've ever felt, this is, I really wish St. Paul's did this locally. Now is the time to come forward. Everyone will have a role. So, some homework. Ask God this week, individually and in life groups, for words, pictures, verses, and encouragements which you might share with each other and the church. We had a couple today. We had a few earlier on in our services. We want to try and do this more regularly so we get confidence in hearing from God. Listen this week. I'm leading next Sunday. We will do this again, and we will continue. There may be no words. That's fine. Faithfulness is creating the space for it. Mention your involvement to church and somebody in a secular context. Invite a dad to Father's Day, particularly perhaps if your husband doesn't regularly come to church. This is the chance next Sunday. Invite anyone to big questions. Offer to pray for and with somebody for healing or some other need. I've had so many answers to prayer recently, and I just haven't got time to tell you all. I'll just tell you one. Somebody stopped me on the way out and said, you prayed for my sister the other week. She was unable to walk. I can't remember if she could stand or not. She told me to tell you, she can walk now. It doesn't always happen. But it happens enough to press and press and press ahead. And whenever you pray for somebody, there is power there, and there is blessing. Ask God what role you can play in our renewal. And talk to me. I'll be outside there at the door. Talk to me. Make contact in the next few days if you can. And then attempt something seriously brave. And I'm going to finish with this. Okay, scenario. You're in a car park trying to get out. You've done your shopping. There's ice cream. There's all sorts of stuff melting. And there's a queue, and at the front of the queue, the car has stopped, and there's a woman in it, she can't start the car. And everybody is blowing their horn at her. What do you do? Hope that someone, well, first option, okay? You've got to be honest, God's watching. Oops, there goes the water again. Hope. <laughs> Confuse the entire church. I think the enemy is trying to stop this. Hope that someone nearer her in the queue can either fix cars or push cars. Go up to her and say, can I help? Secretly hoping she'll say, no, thank you. I'd quite like to spend the rest of my life in this car park. <laughs> Go up to her in front of everyone and say, can I pray for your car to start? Who would take option three? I'm doing a series of interviews with, uh, for Premier with church leaders across the world who are moving in the power of the Spirit. This is an extract from one of them. It's an hour long, but this is a, not an hour long, it's two minutes. This, I've got to let you out by 11 o'clock. This is really going to the wire. Um, Anne Calver is well-respected. She's a Baptist minister. She's married to, to uh, Gavin Calver. She's the daughter-in-law of Clive Calver um, of the EA and many other things. 
Anyway, she is just full on and tells us how to live. And um, now, is that, is that going to show full picture? Oh, it is. That's great. So, she, this is what she said about her experience in a car park. Um, I, was, I was in Tesco car park and I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, like, go over to this woman. And I was like, what? And there was this car that had pulled out in the car park and was trying to leave the car park. Um, and it stalled. It, it, the engine stopped working and the, the car just completely cut out. And, and all these, because we're in London, all these people were, like, beeping their horns and, like, basically, get out of the way. No one was going, how can we help? They were all going, get out of the way. Move, move. I need to get out. I need to get out of the car park. But she was right there in the lane so they couldn't get out easily um and i just was like what lord i had all my shopping i had ice cream melting all the rest of it and he was just like go over to her and um and so i was like and do what like do what i can't start a car engine like how am i gonna what am i gonna do i've got a mechanic just go over to her and it was a really strong um voice and so i went over to to the car and she wound the window down and and she looked at me like, what? Like, you know, what? Like, quite aggressively. And I just said, like, are you okay? And she was like, no. Like, I paid a thousand pounds for this car to get fixed last week. It's a brand new vehicle. Uh, and now the engine's not working. It just won't work. Like, what am I supposed to do? And I just felt like I should say, can I pray? Can I pray for the car engine? Oh, my word, it was scary. Like, even just offering that is hard, isn't it? But anyway, I just went, can I pray? And she went, yes, yes, come on, okay. Like, basically, hurry up. And so I went, Lord, please, will you, like, start this car, like, now? And, and she's like, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening when you pray. And so I was like, Jesus. So I just went, in the name of Jesus, I command this engine to start now. And it just roared back into life. It, like, instantly roared back into life. And she just looks at me with a shocked expression and then just drove off. <laughs> <laughs> and I jumped back from the vehicle with total shock myself because I think what we haven't understood is the power and the authority that Christ has given us, that, you know, greater is he that's in us and the resurrection of Christ lives in us. Um, and actually, why was I surprised? And I thought what gave me most joy was that she drove away knowing that it was Jesus. Um, Not me. It was Jesus that brought life back to that engine. <laughs> um, I, was, I was in Tesco then, Park and I just felt the Holy Spirit uh, say to me. And then I said, so God can fix cars, but can he fix people? What's your experience? Me, like, go over to this woman this car that had pulled out in the car park and was trying to leave Hang the on. car park. Hang on. Oh, dear. Sorry. I said, do you, this is the last minute. This, uh, I said, have you seen the power of God in you healing people? It was in Turkey and we, like I was working ministry with a friend of mine called Sam and he is healing and he's anointed to heal. And he was just demonstrating on this guy. And this guy came forward. He had arthritis. I think it was in his knees. 
And Sam laid his hands on the guy's knees and he prayed and the guy was completely free from arthritis within seconds in his knees. It was so incredible. And then he said, um, I think there's some people with headaches. If you've got a headache, like suffering with re recurring headaches, come forward, we'd like to pray for you. And he says to me, and put your hand on this woman who came forward and pray for her head. So I put my hand on and I pray for her head. She goes down on her back in the power of the spirit and she stands up and she's sobbing and she says, I can see, I can see. And I did not have any clue what was going on because it was in Farsi that she was yelling. Anyway, the interpreter comes over, Sam joins me um, and the woman says, I think actually Sam was helping me pray for her as well. But she says, I came forward for a headache, but I was blind. And now not only has the headache gone, but I can see. It was incredible. I just was oh, like, praise God. wow. And then I asked her why we don't see, how we see more of this. And, um, and what she said. <laughs> was we do not for a moment fully grasp the extent of the power and authority that we have in Christ. Embrace it and you will see everything change. So I'm going to say a quick prayer and then we're going to... Is it all parents going out or first... All parents are going out to join what's happening over there. Father, we ask that you commission us now. Commission us afresh to the work that you have called us. Give us encouragement this week. Help us to do something which makes such a difference. Help us to step out in faith, exercising the power of the Holy Spirit. Lead us on an adventure. Give us ideas and passion for this local renewal project. Step out, Lord. Help, help us to step out. Lead us that we may see your kingdom here. In Jesus' name. Amen.